Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska, and this is today's Bible class, a short Bible study, usually about 13 or 14 minutes, but it keeps us in God's Word, and that helps us to stay strong in our faith, because faith comes by hearing the Word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. It also helps keep us focused on our relationship with God and upon our soul's salvation, our spiritual life. You know people in your life who need to turn their focus around, don't you? Help them to do that by getting them into God's Word regularly every day by sharing these studies with them through Facebook friends, text messages, and other technological means. You may help somebody even get to heaven. What a great blessing for them and for you. So make that commitment and start sharing today and every day with everybody you can. We're going to get back into our line of thought and study. We're talking about three reactions to preaching the gospel. Now, those reactions are laid out for us in 1 Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and beginning with verse 21. And so the Apostle Paul said, For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom, its own wisdom, did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. When God has laid out a methodology for spreading the gospel, we simply need to say, Amen. That's it. That's what we're going to do. That's how we're going to understand the gospel message of salvation through Jesus, and that's what we're going to obey. But you know, human beings, eh, they're skeptical a lot of times. They have their own line of thinking and wisdom, And but when we read verse 21 again, the world through its own wisdom eh, did not know God. When Jesus walked upon this earth, do you understand, do you realize that almost all peoples everywhere, all around the world, did not believe in God. They worshiped all kinds of idols. It's, it's hard for us to wrap our minds around that fully today because the gospel message through Jesus Christ, Christianity has been so prevalent, has been so powerful to change people's lives and to change the focus of cultures all around the world, and it continues to do so, but it is under attack still today. He goes on in verse 22, he says, the Jews request a sign, the Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified to the Jews, a stumbling block. Now, why was Christ crucified a stumbling block to the Jews? Because they weren't looking for that kind of savior. Oh, they had all the Old Testament prophecies of the coming savior, the Messiah, But Jesus did not fit that bill in their mind, in their estimation. He was a humble Savior, and yet at the same time, authoritative and and forceful. But they were looking for somebody to restore them as a physical, glorious nation, and he did not fit that bill in their eyes. So to uh, to the Jews, a stumbling block. To the Greeks, which would have been everybody else in the world at that time, or Gentiles, foolishness. Now, why would everybody else other than the Jews see Jesus crucified as foolishness? Because what followed the crucifixion? He was buried in the tomb. What followed that? His resurrection from the grave. He came forth alive, having been dead physically. He arose from that grave alive. And to the Greeks or the Gentiles, The idea of a dead person coming back to life was foolishness, absurdity. But then 
Paul goes on and the third reaction. So the first reaction is a stumbling block for the Jews. They weren't looking for that kind of savior who would be executed on the cross by the Roman soldiers, the very force that the Jews expected the Messiah to kick out of their, their land. Foolishness to the Greeks or the Gentiles because they could not accept the idea of a dead person coming back to life. But then verse 24, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, whoever, anyone, all around the world, from whatever background, who come to believe in Christ as the Savior, and not just intellectually, but to believe in him to the point of being obedient to the gospel message, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus, the gospel's the wisdom of God, the wisdom of God. And Paul also declares it to be the power of God to salvation. Romans 1 and verse 16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. The simple message that Jesus came as our Savior. And as we read in Romans 5 and verse 8 and verse 10, Hebrews 2 and verse 9, 9 and verse 27, 10 and verse 10, and we could read other texts of Scripture that say the same thing. Jesus died on that cross as the perfect one-time-for-all-time sacrifice, a sacrifice made by the Father and enacted by Jesus himself, dying, having his blood shed, physically dying in our place to pay the price for the guilt of our sins so that we could have the opportunity to be forgiven through him, to be saved through him, to have eternal life in heaven with him. The death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus. That's the gospel in a nutshell. And we've read in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 6, where Paul lays it out in exactly that fashion. Well, preaching this message of salvation in Christ is God's methodology. And the wisdom of God, when we come back and read that text in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 21 through 25, the wisdom of God if you could conceive, Paul brings it out. He says, the foolishness of God is wiser than the greatest point of wisdom or degree of wisdom on the part of mankind. And Paul is not suggesting at all that there's any degree of foolishness with God. He's simply making the comparison, the contrast, saying, if you could imagine that God has any foolishness, his foolishness would be far superior from a perspective of wisdom than the greatest degree of wisdom that humanity could come up with. And if you could conceive of any weakness at all in the part of God, and there is none, because God is all-powerful. The Scriptures tell us that repeatedly. Almighty, all-powerful. Well, if you could conceive of any degree of weakness, his weakness would be far superior to the greatest degree of strength that mankind could come up with. And so to question God, to be skeptical of God, his word, his instructions for our life, 
Now that is foolishness. That is foolishness. Well, so what about this first reaction? A reaction that we could kind of boil down and understand in contemporary in a contemporary kind of application as we see our culture and humanity around us including within our own within our own country the first reaction and this was the reaction on the part of the the Jews he's not our savior taken further we have a host of people and again not just all around the world but in our country today who could be identified as atheists, skeptics, agnostics, and really boiled down, they're all about the same. They don't believe in Jesus because they don't believe in God. In Psalm 19 and verse 1, we read this. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows his handiwork. When we look around at the magnificent creation, the, mag- the, the interworkings and dependency of the universe all around us, much less our world and our atmosphere in which we live. That is obviously all put together by a master designer, master knowledge behind it. That cannot happen just by itself. But the atheists say, no, 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 it just happened by accident. Blind chance, chaos became, chaos became order. That does not work. Now, order can become chaos, but chaos cannot become order. And so we look around us. We see the fingerprints of God all around us through life, through our world, this earth, through our atmosphere, through the universe. God's design is obvious. In Psalm 14, Psalm 14 and verse 1, the psalmist wrote this, The fool has said in his heart, There is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none who does good. The Lord looks down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there are any who understand, who seek God. What about when he looks down upon you, my friend? Does he see someone who believes God? Does he see someone who is seeking God's will for your life? We go back a little bit further, Psalm 10 and verse 4. The wicked is in his proud countenance does not seek God. God is in none of his thoughts. God is in none of his thoughts. So he's not living his life by God's direction laid out for us in God's word, the Holy Scriptures, the Bible. So the synchronous design of the universe, in spite the obvious nature and the obvious identity of God's design upon all that we see around us and what we experience in our world, all of the different, all of the different parts of 
life and the creation in our world working together synchronously and interdependently, interdependent with each other. And then the universe itself, people still say, no, no, that, that's, that's not from God. Obvious design there. And design demands a designer. And that's part of the law of thermodynamics. And then the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Because again, how could you look and see what we see all around us? How can you experience yourself personally, what you experience in physical life and all of the physical life you see around you? and not believe that somebody brought that into being with a design, with a purpose. And there are many who simply refuse to believe in God's existence, and thereby they don't believe in Jesus as the Savior because they don't want to believe. They, are, they have their minds made up not only not to believe in God, but they will not believe in God despite the overwhelming evidence of his being God, our creator. We're going to stop. We'll look a little bit more next time. We're talking about the first response to preaching the gospel. He's not our savior. Jesus is not our savior because He's not the Savior we want. Or maybe we don't even believe in God to begin with, and so we're sure not going to believe in Jesus, and we're not going to believe in the Bible as being God's inspired word. That's one reaction to the preaching of the gospel. I hope it's not yours. Let's pray. Father, help us to open our eyes and see the obvious truth of you as God, the designer of all that we see around us, the creator our creator, and having created us with a soul in his likeness. Please forgive us, gracious Father. Be patient with us. Help us to see the way to you. In Jesus' name, amen.